0: Welcome to the SJBC Sunday Morning Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by our senior pastor, Dr. Richard Carver. For more podcasts, videos, and information on our church, please visit mysjbc.org. Join me in 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning, page 980, there in your few bottles. probably drinking that water throughout the message today. <clears throat> I apologize. You may seen on the news <clears throat> recently with the climate of things in our world, there's a group of Christians that have begun to gather together out in Oregon. <clears throat> and they're, they're gathering there to, to really to, to form a, a Christian community that lives by the basic principles of God's Word as they understand it. They've pretty much unplugged. From society as much as they can, and it's a growing movement. <laughs> uh, these group of Christian people out there believe that Christianity has uh, strayed pretty far from its roots, and they're trying to get back to the basics of Christianity as best they can. And in their minds, they're not living as much off the grid as they are creating kind of a new grid uh, that aligns itself with Scripture, and they're following a different path that they think is better in their philosophy, they don't think that church needs four walls or a roof. Rather, for them, the church is a group of people who believe in taking care of one another, who are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and live out their lives to exemplify Him and everything that they say and, they do, and all that they do. And this group of people out there are determined to live holy lives <coughs> that are separate from this world. And that's... That, I mean, that's a... a A good thought to live a holy life separate from this world but is that what Scripture means when it says to be separate and to be holy that we segregate ourselves off in something like a commune so we want to address the question really today in this series discovering life of of answering the question what it means to to live a holy life what's a holy life look like today we certainly know what an unholy life looks like you just turn on your television or listen to the radio or the news, and very quickly we get an understanding of what an unholy life uh, might look like or, or sound like. But to be holy means to be, to be set apart uh, and separate from evil and from sin. Now we know that God is holy, and because God is holy, He is completely separate and separated from any kind of sin and anything that is evil. In today's passage, God calls believers, people like us, to be holy just as He is holy. This is a long reading, but I invite you to join me in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and we're going to read through chapter 2, verse 3. Peter writes, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you live in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold, That you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but you were redeemed with the precious blood of christ the lamb without blemish or defect he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake through him you believe in god who raised him from the dead and glorified him so and so your faith and hope are in god and now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory <clears throat> is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever and this is the word that was preached to you therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit hypocrisy envy and slander of every kind like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the lord is good peter he's writing to a persecuted people these are Christian people who are being persecuted across the Roman Empire. Many of them are losing their lives, and because of the, the pressure that's being placed upon Christians, many are turning from their faith. Many are abandoning their faith, and you have, uh, and a lot of times, Christians turning on Christians. He's also reminding these persecuted believers that life here is temporary, that we are just foreigners and aliens, that this is not home. And the more we invest in this place, the less we are investing up there. Jesus told, to, told us in Matthew's gospel to store for ourselves treasures in heaven where it's not going to rust, moss not going to eat it, thieves aren't going to break into steel, there's not going to be any destruction. And so Jesus and Peter are helping us look toward heavenly investment, future investment, rather than here. But while we are here, we are to live differently. Now, it's important that we understand that if we're going to live a holy life apart from God, that's impossible. We can't live a holy life apart from God. And we must have the Holy Spirit living in us and filling us with His holiness. And we can only live the holy life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And So we know that the first step to living a holy life is to accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord. When I, messaged, when I read about my friend Mark Sweeney that I told, told you about in the opening, I, my, my mind couldn't get off of him because his diagnosis was similar to what my father was given in November. And so I, I know what's ahead for Mark. I mean, his, his days are few. And I know that as cancer progresses, <coughs> that your mental faculties because of the, all of the radiation and chemotherapy that you're being given and you get kind of a, a brain fog. And so before he started all that, I was laying in bed last night and this morning woke up thinking about him. My, my thought was that, do you know the Lord? Now, Martin and I knew each other from the smoking area. The high school that I went to had a, a designated area where students in the during the day could go outside and smoke a cigarette. And, Do other things out there in the smoking area. And that's how we became acquainted. And so I I knew kind of what kind of life he had lived. I was concerned about his soul. And so I reached out to him through messenger to say, hey, how are things between you and God? (coughs) Because, folks, that's the most important. When it comes to the end of all things, that's the most important. The second most important thing is that we live our life like we belong to Him Amen. and that's holy living. Right. And, and I've said it before, Christians ought to smell different, walk different, talk different, dress different, but we're different. Not because we're better, but because we're redeemed Amen. and we have Jesus Christ living right. within us. And Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us that you were also included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation. And then he says, when you believed in that moment that you said, yes, Lord, I believe you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The moment that we accepted Christ as our Savior and Lord, Paul is telling us in Ephesians that there was an immediate transaction in that moment that we believed. And in that moment that we went from doubt to belief, we were sealed, guaranteed, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Now once you and I have taken that step of salvation, we're declared righteous, not because of the goodness that we've done, because we're not good, but because of the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice and the covering of his blood. But what does it look like to be actually righteous? What what is that when a person goes from being unrighteous to being righteous? And what does it mean to live in a holy life? How are we supposed to live in this world of ours, but at the same time be separate? And I'm in no way suggesting that we should do what they did in Oregon, I think that that what that group of believers is doing, certainly they feel compelled to do that. But when it says to be separate in the world that we're in, it means that Christians are to walk different than the world, talk different than the world, eat different than the world, work different than the world, drive different than the world. Everything about us should be separate and different from the world. Not because we're better, but because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And it makes a difference in how we live. In 1 Peter, the the Apostle Peter emphasizes purity as a part of holy living. Now, we don't like talking about that very much. We don't want to talk about living as pure people, pure Christians, because it's hard. It's difficult. We feel like people are meddling whenever they start talking about our daily lives and and don't be meddling in my life. Well, I'm not meddling, I'm just preaching the scriptures the whole counsel of God. Remember, we're, this series of sermons is about discovering life. And discovering life and living it in the here and now. And part of that is living a holy life. It I means God's will that we be sanctified. And it's our Lord's plan that each of us should avoid all forms of immorality. He expects that each of us should learn to control our own bodies in a way that's holy and honorable. And that's what this passage is about. It's about living our lives under control. Under the control of the Holy Spirit working within us. That we're not to chase passions, we're not to chase lust, we're not to chase immoral relationships like the lost around us. So Peter is calling us to live, demonstrating that we understand what it means to belong to God. We understand. And we live out our life that way. Now we can live a holy life, separate life, only by being obedient to God in all areas of our life. And that's exactly what Peter meant by writing in the beginning that as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he called you as holy, so be holy in all you do because it is written, be holy because I am holy. Knowing and obeying God's word really is the key. We have to read it. We have to understand it. read Psalm <clears throat> uh, 44 yesterday, Psalm 45 today, in, in my quiet time. And, and on, in Psalm 44, David's asking God, like, God, where are you? i got these things going on in my life. I need to know where you are. When you get to Psalm 45 this morning in my quiet time, David is exploding because he realizes that God is in everywhere and God's in control of things. Now, for me, that, that's a picture of real life. Because, and, and that's what I enjoy so much about reading the Psalms because there's times in, in, in the book of Psalms when David is abandoned, he feels outcast. He, sometimes he's mad at God. He's almost shouting at God expressing his almost anger at God for the situation, the way things are. There are places in Psalms where, where David says, God, go kill them. They need to die <laughs> for their sin. I mean, that's some serious kind of stuff. And, and I'm not saying that those are the thoughts that we should have, but what I'm saying is we can be very transparent with God and very vulnerable. And God knows when we're struggling with how we live. He knows. And that's why we have these kind of passages to help us. Hiding God's word in our hearts, it keeps us from sin. And it's not that we are sinless, but it keeps us from overt sin. And you better believe that this world notices. Right. Your family notices. Your boss notices. Your neighbors notice. When we live separate from evil, you and I are offering our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Throughout, our <laughs> endeavor to be holy. And the purpose of holy living is really to glorify God. And that word glorify means just to make God famous. And we live holy lives because we want to make God famous where we are. And it displays our Lord's nature to those around us. And that that act of obedience when we're living a holy life, it's showing it and living it in true freedom and bondage away from sin whenever we endeavor to live a holy life. Romans 6, verse 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We're not to be slaves to sin. We've been set free. But do you ever feel like you're still enslaved? That there are some some sins that just haunt you? That, that you just can't shake it? That you think you've defeated this particular sin? And, and all of us have what I will call a pet sin. It's a sin that, that Satan discovered early in your life that caught your attention, that caught your eye. He's going to needle you with that sin for your whole life. And you know the sin I'm talking about. If we could go around the room, there would be 50 different sins that would be could be shared by us mm-hmm. that, that we all struggle with. And God understands that. I mean, Some of us would struggle with the same sins, some with different <coughs> sins, but we all struggle with sins. And Paul says in, in verse 6 here, that you're not a slave to that. I understand that you struggle, struggle and, and if so, it's likely that, that that area, we've probably not made Jesus Lord of our life. That we still want to be the boss in that area. And we don't like hearing that. We don't want to be told that. I mean, Jesus is Lord. He's the King. And He needs to be the King of our Monday through Friday. And, and all the things that get packed into those days and, and, and into the weekends. It's not always easy to choose obedience to God. I mean, God knows that. And Satan's counting on it. He wants you to struggle with obedience. And it's especially tough when we try to do it on our own. I mean, Satan would love nothing more than for us to be brought back into bondage through disobedience. And that's what he struggles to do with those pet sins. He's, it's an enticement because he wants you bound. He wants you in bondage. He wants you to walk around feeling guilty and dirty and shameful. So he's constantly enticing us to draw us back in. But we have this promise from 1 John: It says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And I love this imagery. Satan is not in you. He can plant thoughts in your mind. He can lead you into temptation. But he is not in you. He can't be in you. Because you've accepted Christ as Savior and Lord. And the Holy Spirit or evil cannot reside where the Holy Spirit is. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He can tempt you and trick you and try you and all sorts of things, but He can't control you. The one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, is greater than all. Greater than all. So here's what we can count on. The Holy Spirit will produce Christ's likeness in us, but that only happens as we yield to Him. He's not going to force us. But as we yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we become more Christ like. And the more that, that we yield to, to Christ and the Holy Spirit, the more that we can live the holy life. And the more that we live our life as holy, the less we're connected with the world. And it's a, a natural progression of things because you realize you don't want to be dirty. My grandson can't stand for his hands to be dirty. If he gets dirt on his hands, he wants it off now. That's the life of a believer. When we feel ourselves getting dirty, we want to get it clean. That's why passages like 1 John 1, 9 and 10 are so important to us that if, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I, I count on that. I go to God and I confess my sins. I name them by name. God, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. Sometimes my list is long. And I need your forgiveness. And I, I can go ahead and write in and say thank you God for forgiving me because He's promised that He would. He wants us to be set free. The less we're connected to this world, the more honor that we bring to God. Then here's the mindset that we should have from Romans 6. To count ourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. To figure yourself dead to sin I mean, temptations are everywhere. Some temptations are out in plain sight. I mean, they're just right there on a uh, almost like on a shelf at a shopping center. I mean, they're just right there in plain sight. Other temptations are hiding, and they suddenly spring on us like coming around a corner. But anytime we face temptations, we have a right to say, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. Now that takes practice. That takes us being intentional to say, I'm dead to that. That that was part of our old life. But in Christ, I'm a new creation. And new things don't do old stuff. And that's important to understand. (coughs) Next, to live a holy life? And I believe that you do. You know, I've been here 12 years. I've listened to you. I've watched you. I've seen you love one another. I've seen you get mad and forgive one another. I've watched you as you're moving around this church. I know that you love this church. I know that you love and support the ministries that we do. I know that you love when guests come in, that you're always running to them and make them feel wealthy. I, welcome. I know that about you. I know that about you. And I know that you want to live lives pleasing to the Lord. And I know that you want to do ministry that's meaningful. You don't want to do it just to do it. I listen to your conversations. I hear you. And I know that you want to be holy. And I'm grateful for it. Now I'm not saying perfect. But I know that you want to be holy. But to separate ourselves from sin. We've got to see ourselves as God does. See, when God sees us. Even when we're dirty, he sees a born-again child of the Most High. That's the way he sees us. And he sees you and he sees me and and clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It's a blast. Last Sunday was a fly. Child. I'm sorry. I'm allergic to those things. If it comes up behind me, will you tell me to die? Alright, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but God sees us clothed with the, the righteousness of Christ. And not our own. We also have the benefit of being part of the body of Christ. I mean, we're in fellowship together. I mean, this is good. I love watching us mix and and mingle and fellowship with with other Christians. And and when we do that, we make ourselves accountable to them. And and that's a great source of strength for our holy life. And we're called to encourage one another in this. Hebrews 10, it tells us that let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And it is approaching. I shared with you, I'm using uh, David Jeremiah's book, 31 signs, and we're going to talk about the 31 signs of the times to come and the end times. And, and, and you know, folks, the, the rapture just around the corner. The trumpet is not far off. It can't be far off. It can't be. But as we see the day approaching, he says, remember, we're not trying to live a holy life to earn salvation. We've already gotten our salvation because of our faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. But living a holy life is the natural outgrowth of being saved by God's grace. It's what happens naturally when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So so don't give up when you mess up. We're going to mess up. God knows everything there is to know about us. And yet God still chooses to forgive us. And that's what we're going to talk about next Sunday is living in forgiveness. How we live as forgiven people. But God still chooses to forgive us. And when we fail, our response should be to confess our sin, but then to keep moving forward in our Christian walk and in our Christian life. And, and, And those who enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, we no longer live under condemnation. Scripture says that there is therefore now no condemnation for whom... For those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean God's grace. Doesn't go away when we make a mistake. It remains. And there may be. No there will be times. When you're being attacked on every side by the enemy. And you're going to slip and slip. And may slip again. But regardless of where we live. Or what we're facing. Regardless of how bad the situation around you looks. God's grace is always flowing downstream. It's always coming towards us. We sing that song that that God's grace is coming after us. It's always moving in the direction of his children because he loves us. And, And God lavishly pours it forth in abundant measure upon us. So it's impossible for us to imagine or even dream of the amount of divine grace that God sends in our direction. It's constantly flowing. I mean, no base can hold the flood of grace that God is sending your way. It's always more and more and more and more grace and that flood of grace will always far surpass the flood of sin that you might be caught in, the, the flood of darkness that you might find your place in, or the flood of mistakes that you might make. God's grace always rises higher. And so we need to honor God. To live a life that's Not like this world's. This world is a mess. I mean, it's dangerous to go anywhere almost anymore. I mean, it's just, our world is a mess and people are so mad everywhere. It's amazing how mad people are. You see it if you drive. People are so, this world's a mess. But this world's not our home. And we have to remember that, that that we're just passing through. We're here for a short time. The the grass fades and the flowers fade and it's all going to fade away. But the word of God, it's forever. Salvation is forever. It's impossible to imagine how God loves us. Let's honor him. Satan will try to stop you from doing God's will. He doesn't want you doing God's will. He's going to try to cause you to doubt or to get mad or to abandon or to walk away or, 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 or all sorts of things. But never give up. That enemy will not prevail against you if you will yield to the Lord. And you'll find that God is supplying more than enough grace to match whatever the enemy is trying to do in your life and in your family's life. It will just surrender to that divine grace. And it will rise higher and higher until eventually it floods every area of our life. So when the situations look bad, don't be surprised when you begin to feel God's Spirit on you. Keep pressing ahead, because God is holding on. He's guiding us, keeping us upright, keeping our feet on sure footing. Pastor Watson Jones tells a story about when he was learning to ride a bike. He says he was about five or six years old, Learning to ride a bike, and his dad was walking along beside him holding uh, the back of the bike. And I don't know, I, I learned through my children that you teach them to ride uphill and not downhill. Uh, I learned, one of my children learned to ride downhill, and they have a scar on their head. The other child learned to ride uphill. <laughs> so, when you, if you're out there teaching your grandkids, teach them to ride uphill. But he, he said he remembers his dad walking along beside him and then jogging along beside him as he was learning to ride his bike. And it just so happens that he was gonna go past a porch that three little girls were sitting on. He told his daddy, he said, Daddy, I got it from here. Let go, Dad, let go. Stop, Dad, stop. And so Dad did, Dad, let go of the, the bike and Watson said he kept on pedaling. He said that he got about two or three pedals in and then crashed <laughs> because Dad had let go. He crashed right there in front of the porch where those three little girls were sitting. See, spiritual maturity is different from natural maturity. Our Heavenly Father longs for us to grow up. He longs for us to become mature believers and attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We I mean, parents, we we raise our children to be independent, to no longer need us. But that's not how it is with God. Our divine Father raises us to depend upon Him daily. To depend upon Him more and more and more. Peter begins his letter by promising grace and peace through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. And he ends by urging us to grow in that same grace and knowledge of our Lord. See, mature Christians, we never outgrow our need for Jesus. But sometimes we get busy slapping Jesus' hand off the handlebars or off the seat telling Him, I got this. Trying to go it alone. As if we didn't need his strong hands to hold us, to pick us up, to hug us when we wobble and flop and fall. See, we can't grow beyond our dependence upon Christ. We shouldn't try. If we want to live a holy life, we have to live every day more dependent upon Him. Lean on Him more. Scripture tells us that, that running to Him is like running to a strong tower. That that's where we want to go. And only, we only grow by, by seeking our roots deeper into the grace and knowledge of Him. And that happens as we live separate a separate life from this world to live as holy people. As Jacqueline comes, we're going to sing a hymn invitation. I pray that you're living a holy life one that's pleasing to God, as best you can. I know we slip and mess up. I don't want to say it's okay, but Jesus says, come. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We're going to sing a hymn invitation. If it's rest that you need, come and find some. This is a great place to pray. Let's stand in with